Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in again to Food for Thoughts. Chris, how are you doing? I'm very good. Good to be here with you as well. Good to be around the microphone again. Yeah, it's always uh, good to be here. Good to be here trying some snacks. Um, you brought our snack for today. I'm excited about it, but I need you to give me some sort of explanation as to sure. what we're having here. <laughs> well, remember, people don't know this, but we had the idea around Easter time to mm-hmm. do like weird <laughs> chocolates yeah, yeah. as one of our snacks and it never kind of came out but uh, I bought around that time chili infused chocolate hmm. uh, and so I thought now is the time so what we have in front of us is dark chocolate that's infused with chili oil it's not that dark but somewhat <laughs> <laughs> that's not the real curious thing about <laughs> that's like, it, yeah, I know <laughs> stay on track Jess yeah <laughs> okay well you want to give it a shot yeah chili here we spicy go spicy chocolate Oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very subtle. It's in the yeah. aftertaste. But it's there. Okay. I love it. That's really nice. Uh, it's really nice. It is. It just, yeah, you gotta have to wait for it to hit you. <laughs> yeah. It's in the aftertaste for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. My mouth kind of doesn't know what to do with it. Because okay. it's like sweet, and then you swallow it, and it's like, no, wait, spicy? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my tongue is kind of a question mark right now. Oh, yeah. It's true when you swallow it. Okay. Okay. Good stuff, though. I think I'm going to buy this. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow, it is spicy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I like it. So, today, um, our topic is actually a question. It's a question that came from one of our listeners. Um, so to all of you guys listening, when you email us and when you like comment and stuff, um, we do pay attention to that. Yes, we do. Um, so let me just read this. I'm not going to name the person, obviously, but let me just read in a question that came in um, from one of our listeners. Uh, the question is as follows. In light of the Ravi Zacharias scandal, I wanted to ask the group, who then can be saved? If someone so close to the gospel, who knew the whole Christian faith inside out, could fall so far, who can be saved? What do I need to do in my day-to-day to be saved? How do I possess my salvation? What we want to do today is um, acknowledge, I think, first of all, that would be the respectful thing to do, to acknowledge that the Ravi Zacharias scandal, like everything that happened around there, we don't want to go into it fully, but... We do acknowledge that this person was found guilty of like all sorts of um, nonsense. And we want to acknowledge that like if you're someone that hearing that is particularly triggering for you, we do encourage you to get like professional help. Um, But we're not those professionals who are going to do that today. But we want to acknowledge that, yes, um, that situation was wrong. But then the reactions that we have and to be like, oh, my goodness, like this was a Christian leader. Um, what Am I like in danger of like doing something crazy? Am I at risk of slipping, of falling? What, what do I have to do to avoid um, scandals and situations like that? That's sort of what we want to do today. Um, so, yeah, how's that, how does that sound for a topic? <laughs> well, I want to say thank you so much to the listener who brought in the topic. I think it's a really, really good question and one that's worth talking about. And I think acknowledging sin, mm. even when it comes from very heartbreaking places, mm-hmm. is very important for us to do as a community. Mm. Uh, not trying to bury it, not trying to sweep it under the rug or pretend it didn't happen, but talking about it 
Mm-hmm. And I'll, the position I'm in right now is I honestly don't have all of my thoughts uh, really you know, squared away about it okay. all. I'm still processing it myself. But that can't be an excuse to say nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm willing to talk about it, and I'm, I really appreciate the question. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I think sometimes it's hard to have our thoughts processed all in the right way because um, we are humans with emotions. We do feel angry. We do feel disappointed. We do feel jaded sometimes uh, when we see these things happening. So, yeah. Yeah, so that is something that happens. Um, but one thing that I do want to say also is that um, this isn't the first time in church history, sadly, that this sort of thing happens. Um, I thought of another historical example. If we think of uh, the Reformation with Martin Luther. Um, okay, so Martin Luther, like, he kicked off this whole thing where it's like, okay, it's through Jesus Christ that you are saved and not through, like, the priests and all of that. Um, and that had a lot of social consequences at the time. And I think um, a lot of people who didn't agree with the views of the Reformation, like um, they, they had it hard. <laughs> they had a, a hard thing going for them because of that. And one example of that were people who happened to be Jewish. And Martin Luther actually published a lot of things about how, oh, because this group of people don't agree with um, the Reformation, like we should do this, this and this. And he ended up publishing some very anti-Semitic writings. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to bring that as an example of how other leaders that we see, people who have done a lot for church history, are still imperfect and have um, hard attitudes that aren't honoring to Christ. And so I think when we see that, um, yeah, we can get jaded, we can get disappointed, and we can want to give up. But I want to say that those moments where we see failures in leadership, um, those are opportunities for us to admit how much we need grace, um, that we too can fall away if we're not careful. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, I think part of the answer, part of it, not the whole answer, is certainly to acknowledge the history spanning all the way back throughout the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, all biblical yeah. characters... <laughs> have problems. Yes. They're problematic people yes. in one way or another. And so there is a history as old as time of God using imperfect people, very fallen, broken people, to accomplish his purpose, sometimes in spite of their sin. Mm-hmm. And that is the way that God has worked all the way to the Old Testament through the New Testament. You look at the apostles, and the apostles still had a lot of prejudice to undo in some cases, yeah. still yeah. fell into sin in other cases. Uh, and then all the way through church history, the same thing. So God does use broken, flawed people to accomplish very real results, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes in spite of what they do. But also, the, we are never, ever told to take sin lightly. That's true. And that even when it's somebody in leadership, and this kind of reminds me of when we spoke about how to say no to your pastor. Yeah, yeah. When you see... Uh, sin or just uh, unwise behavior in your leaders you can call that out you should call that out Mm -hmm. Uh, you should take note of that uh, and be weary of it as well Mm -hmm. because it's something that can really really affect them and it's a problem it's Mm -hmm. a big problem no one one is above temptation no one is above the need for accountability Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that was what happened in this case is that Someone was, in Ravi Zacharias' case, was given this platform of sort of being seen as beyond suspicion, 
beyond uh, the ability to fall into sin in, in certain cases, uh, and was given, and now he himself seemed to be extremely deceptive about it as mm-hmm. well. So I don't want to sort of shine the spotlight on those around him and say, well, it's their fault, they should have known. Yeah, yeah. He was incredibly deceptive about mm-hmm. it. Uh, but in the case of, uh, often when, when sort of this stuff started to brew, people immediately cast doubt on the accusations Mm -hmm. thinking there's no way Ravi would do something like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that kind of attitude just doesn't take seriously sin nature. It doesn't take seriously also the fact that when you are in leadership, the higher you go in, well, the sort of the more uh, influence you gain, the more notoriety you get, certain temptations just really get turned up in that way. And someone who is not willing to acknowledge that and live in light of the the extra need for accountability, the extra need for uh, discipleship and growth and mentors uh, is likely, more likely to fall into those kinds of traps. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you bring that up of like not taking sin lightly. And because we're not going to take sin lightly, we're going to hold people really accountable, especially people in leadership. That's yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, another thing I think that's important to acknowledge is, yes, in our relationship with others, we want to be uh, honest with them and ask for accountability, ask for prayer when we're in um, situations of leadership. But I think sometimes we do this thing where like, we want to tell everyone about our problems except Jesus. And I think yeah. like in these types of situations, we really need to acknowledge our, um, our need for Christ and of his grace. Um, so I kind of want to take the conversation in this direction, and I want to talk a little bit about John five nineteen. And Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. And why am I bringing that up is because the, you know, if you think about what leadership is and what influence is, like, obviously someone in that position wants to have influence. They want to have a good influence on people. And that can be one of their motives. But what Jesus is saying here is that without him at the center and without acknowledging him and acknowledging our need for him, we're not actually going to do anything significant. You know, Um, he even says the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. We we see Christ in throughout the Gospels being really dependent upon his father. And it sounds like he wants us to be dependent on the father and dependent upon him as well. Um, Jesus accomplished the things he did not by trying harder, but by having a relationship with the father that was characterized by dependence upon him. Yeah, He wants us to have that same attitude, too. He wants us to go to him and be like, Lord, if you don't help me, <laughs> um, I could I could fall away. You know, yeah. I could forget your character and I could end up harming a lot of people. So yeah, that's really something that stands out to me when I read that passage. And I think the definition of accomplishing things uh, is important there because again, if we use Rabbi Zacharias as a case study, the man throughout his life uh, and just in terms of statistics and numbers influenced a huge number of people uh, you yeah. know, had a big impact on the Christian world but if, he, if the character is lacking and it, or if the gospel is missing in the case of some people who are very, very influential speakers, mm-hmm. you think of like televangelists mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and all these kinds of you know, people who have huge audiences, but the gospel is missing, um, what's, what's it really accomplishing? Right. You know, in, in that case, nothing. Like these people, like in terms of gospel fruitfulness, very little is being accomplished by people like televangelists who have totally mis, mis, misused the gospel. Yeah. In the case of Rabbi Zacharias, 
when his huge glaring character defects came to surface, all of the work that he had had accomplished, air quotes, throughout his life, come to nothing, or come to very, very little as a result. Which is why the gospel reminds us again and again, though the Bible reminds us again and again, the need for our leaders to show the right character. Mm-hmm. The giftedness of the speaker or the, the, you know, the, char- the charisma of the leader uh, doesn't matter as much as are they uh, a true man or woman of God? Mm-hmm. Do they exhibit that kind of lifestyle? Um, and that's what we should be really looking for more than anything. And that's what, as a leader, you need to be focused on more than anything else. Exactly. More than improving your speaking ability, more than improving your leadership ability. Those things are important. But are you examining your life before the Lord? Are you coming to Him as Father and saying, God, the kind of person I need to be to be effective, truly effective, mm-hmm. can only come from you. Mm-hmm. can come from this mm-hmm. ongoing relationship I have with you that humbles me and teaches me and corrects me and gives me joy and, and gives me these things that I desperately need to be in a truly effective person yeah. in life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's quite often where we go astray. Exactly. And I think he wants that kind of relationship with oh, us yeah. also. You know, he's not interested in like all the things we do on this side because at the end of the day he really knows our hearts. Yeah. Um, and he wants our hearts. He wants us to confess our brokenness to him. So that is definitely like you're saying what we should be focusing on. Yeah. With the question of who then can be saved, I mean, the way of salvation is the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an old Puritan quote, I think it's Jonathan Owens, I think it's Jonathan Owens, who says, um, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. That's true. That's yeah. true for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Nobody is above. Um, Nobody is above the foundational ideas of repentance, uh, humbling yourself through prayer, humbling yourself through um, really just bringing your heart before God. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea that Rabbi Zacharias knew more than anybody else and yet he fell just goes to prove what is very blatantly obvious throughout a lot of scriptures. Like, our problem is not an intellectual Uh, problem. Ah, yes, yes. It is not that we don't know enough. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not, you know, the gospel isn't, uh, you know, anyone who knows me will be saved. Or it's not anyone who obeys me necessarily will be saved. It's anyone who believes in me. Yes, yes. And belief has that element of trust mm-hmm. and acknowledging brokenness, mm-hmm. acknowledging need uh, that is unique. Mm-hmm. To it, and so yeah, Rabbi knew more than anybody else. But that's not what saves you. Exactly. What saves you is faithful faith acknowledgement of who Christ is to you, and living that life of ongoing repentance and humility and trust that the gospel ought to bring out of a person. Mm-hmm. I want to give a biblical example of someone who may have known a lot but <laughs> didn't follow through on that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Jonah, the prophet. Um, he was obviously, we all know his story from like Bible study days or whatever. But um, yeah, you're talking about the need for repentance and the need for change and the need to not just be um, like Christianity, be something that's intellectual. And I think in Jonah's case, we have the example of someone 
who was a servant, who was a prophet, who had like direct revelation from God, but he still sinned. He still tried to manage his life in such a way that, oh, well, I'm going to run the show and I'm going to run away from God and not do what he asked me to do. And I was listening to a sermon um, from the from Bible Project guy, Tim Mackey. Um, I really like listening to his stuff. He's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really is. And um, he comments on the part of the story where Jonah's in the belly of the whale or the fish or whatever, and he's actually repentant. He's actually humble. And he said the only thing he had going for him is the fact that God was still committed to him and that even in his errors, God was committed to redeeming his life. Um, The reason why I like focusing on that part of uh, that story is because yeah, as you as you said before, we can be in leadership. We can, I don't know, have the gift of prophecy or whatever, but we still um, are at risk of wanting to do things our own way. But then when we are humbled, we need to acknowledge that God is the only thing we have going for us. And God is still committed to us. And he still extends his hand to us so that we can be effective for him. You know? yeah. It's not that like, okay, I've screwed up as a leader and this is this is the end of the story. But no, in that story, we see God reaching out um, and really paying attention to the fact that he was humbling himself and that he was repentant. And... The other thing that's funny is that when I kind of took some time to think about this a couple of months back, like I came to the realization, um, Chris, that in my own life, similarly, I have nothing else going for me except for my relationship with God. Um, I've been a Christian for over a decade now because, you know, I'm old. <laughs> but it's just I think for the first time in years um, who then can be saved for the first time in years, I'm realizing that it's not necessarily up to me and it really is because of what Christ has done that I can continue on this path where I live like a Christian, where I live like someone who really does love him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm at a place in my life where I'm acknowledging that if it wasn't for what he's done and what he keeps doing in my life through grace, I'm not about to do anything that's of real value. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a very important revelation to have. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think it, it's born out of really understanding the gospel yeah and yeah. even when i think with, with true believers even when they even when their lives are going well uh inside and out they acknowledge that this is only by the grace oh, of god yeah, yeah yeah um and they still they still see themselves as you know needing to be vigilant needing to to be some to sort of be submissive and to be humble yeah uh, and to seek god more and more I think, uh, I'm curious, so I want to ask you the same question in two different ways. Sure. (laughs) First question, let's say there's a person who, up to this stage in life, has not derailed their life. Okay. That they're a Christian who is uh, still going pretty strong. Praise God. But is now worried when they see these, like, these leaders failing, that they don't want to do the same thing. Mm. What What advice would you give them? I would say... Well, what we were two things, what we were saying before, like make sure you acknowledge uh, your need for like accountability, do all of that, and then mm-hmm. the other thing that I've been saying, like make sure you daily acknowledge your need for the gospel, and make sure that you just straight up in prayer tell God, like I need you to handle this, not because my life is completely out of whack right now, but just because I want to make sure that I still love you through my actions and everything mm-hmm. that yeah. So just be honest, um, my actions, just be honest with God that you do need Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would add to that the the ongoing advice, like taking seriously the advice of Scripture more than advice, the commands of Scripture to really uh, 
bring in what it called the means of grace by theologian. Means of grace means God using our actions to uh, transmit his grace into our life. So it's stuff like prayer, uh, but also accountability, like sort of being mentored by others, yeah. Uh, yeah. worship, these things that we do, but are a means by which God sort of really transmit more grace in, in like deepening our relationship with him and bringing further sanctification to us uh, and bringing a, a richer community around us, mm-hmm. these kinds of things. So mm-hmm. take seriously, you know, what scripture says about, okay, this is the way that you need to live. Yeah. You know, you need to live closely acknowledging me mm-hmm. uh, in good relationship with other people, yeah. these yeah. kinds of things, like sacrificially and, and self, you know, practicing self-denial, mm-hmm. these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. So the second question would be, what about someone who has derailed their life? Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to them? Are we... Say- <laughs> this is what I do. You ask me a question, I answer with a question. Um, are, <laughs> is the person, like, sorry that they've derailed their life? Or are they like, mm-hmm. eh, I don't know, like, what kind mm-hmm. of... What kind of uh, person are we dealing with? I mean, I would say that's the that's the first question. Um, yeah, if you've derailed your life, quote unquote, like, and you actually want to do something about it, I would say that's that's amazing. Like the fact that you're actually willing to admit that I'm not living the way God wants me to live, and I want to to get that right. Like I will be like, Hallelujah! Like that's a good first step. And like um, my advice then would be. Um, again, what we were saying before that this is something God has done over and over and over again through scripture and through church history. Like he's taken people who had fallen um, and acknowledged their need for him. And then he used them to do effective things afterwards. So if you're in that position, then it's not I'd say it's not too late. Um, Mm. It's not too late to tell him that you need him, that you need his help, that you're sorry, that you're repentant, and that you want your life to be fruitful for him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I would give much the same advice to say there is a way back. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in, I think it was 2017, the first, uh, the first of the scandal began to break about Ravi Zacharias, but there was one lady who came forward Mm -hmm. uh, saying he, uh, he was sort of acting very inappropriately and sending kind of messages and things like that. And in 2017, it was it was dismissed right. essentially. Right. Uh, you know, that's a very very uh, quick summary of it. But it was sort of it was pushed to the side. He vehemently denied it. Um, <clears throat> really pushed back against it. <clears throat> and then obviously, when he he passed away in 2020, uh, afterwards more and more and more came to light that then when you look back at 2017 you realize that lady was right yeah. she was she was right yeah. and i think about that and i think if in 2017 he had actually said you're right he had taken that as his moment to repent yeah to say look this is it and there is way more to it and he had just laid out everything on the table it would have been an incredibly painful thing to do uh, that would have caused devastation to uh, the ministry, devastation to his family life. But he would have had an opportunity to, to make amends. Yes. It, yes. it may have taken years and, and nothing would have been what it was before, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because, and I, I doubt he ever would have been able to come back in the public eye 
uh, you know, but it's, certainly in terms of his family, he may have had a chance to really apologize to his children, apologize to his wife mm-hmm. uh, for these things, uh, and to really confess to God what he had done and to ask for forgiveness for it. Mm-hmm. He didn't take that opportunity. Yeah. And part of the pain and the heartbreak of this exactly. is that he passed away uh, and then these things came to light. Yeah. He never repented here yeah. of these things. Yeah. And, and therefore his family has to live with that. His, his ministry has to now just face the absolute devastation of what that means. Um, and that is, that's part of the really heartbreaking thing. And I really feel like if, if anyone's in that position where they're holding on to a deep, deep, dark secret and they're afraid of the pain of what it would mean if that ever came out, the, that fear is legitimate. I can acknowledge that that's a legitimate fear. However, the, the damage it can do by staying in the dark is so much greater so much than the damage it, it, it can do by coming to the light. Mm-hmm. That God wants us to bring this to the light. Mm-hmm. He wants us to acknowledge our sin and to, to, to ask for help in overcoming it. Mm-hmm. And the more and more we refuse to do that and we keep it to ourselves, we see the way that he had to heap lies upon lies upon lies, and it makes it so, so much worse when it does at the out. end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And so my, my encouragement to them would be, if you are right now living with that sense, I've already derailed my life in a big way, it just hasn't come to the surface yet, or even if it has, it's not too late. Mm-hmm. It may be a very painful experience, but it will not be as painful as if it goes un, if it go, if it continues to stay in the dark. Mm-hmm. It'll just get worse over time, and then I don't know the terrifying reality of facing God, knowing that this this deep dark secret uh, never came to light, and now you have to face God and and what that means. I don't know what it means for Ravi. Mm-hmm. I I fear what it means. Mm-hmm. I genuinely don't know. That's part of my struggle. That's part of my heartbreak because I don't yeah. know what that means for him. Yeah. Uh, and I fear for him. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I know it would have been very, very different if he had taken the chance to repent. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're sharing that and like kind of where the difficulty lies for you. Um, and I just want to, it made me think also of a, a last thing I want to say Um because it is going, like you said, it is going to be a painful experience to bring that to the light. But I think of people I know personally or just like people that I follow online who have like derailed their lives, but then have made amends. Because there are stories, you know, we've sure. talked about all the best stories, but there are stories of people who have um, harmed their spouses or whatever, but then they like confessed it and then um, they, they talk about it publicly. And those people, um, people who have derailed their lives and who think, oh, there's no hope for me, those people are more... Um, joyful about what grace actually means. They actually know what God's mercy means. They have like a very personal, a very real experience of that. And um, Jesus, at one point, he asked Peter like, hey, who's more, uh, I'm paraphrasing, I shouldn't do that, but who's more um, grateful for what I've done? Is it the person who sinned a lot or the person who sinned a little bit? You know, and it's, it's. am I saying that story right? Probably not. <laughs> it's like, uh, I mean, you get the gist of it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So yeah, when, if you're in that place where, oh, I've done something terrible um, and now I have to bring it to the light, what's going to come out of that is that you are going to be more than I am um, overjoyed, but what, mercy and grace actually means yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. Uh, i mean back to the initial question who at the end of the day can be saved Mm. 
The gospel invitation is for everyone. Exactly. The way of sanctification is the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, the the power of sin is the same for everyone. Yeah. There was nothing. There's nothing about the leaders. Your there's nothing about your the accumulation of knowledge, uh, the accumulation of experience, uh, that can really ever replace the ongoing need for reliance upon God, a strong relationship with Him, a strong relationship with uh, with other people that that's honest and full of integrity. Yeah. Uh, and assume assume that. This, the sin in your life is a bigger problem than you think it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Go under that assumption that you have a blind spot, that that sort of part of the nature of sin is that we are blinded to the true danger of it. Yeah. And that's yeah. why we need each other. Exactly. We need to have honest communication with each other to be able to, for that person to be able to say to you, that's actually a problem. Mm-hmm. And you need to, to really, really look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we do that, uh, we we're on the right track yeah. to to have a, a full life of of grace of God's grace and reliance on Him as well. Mm-hmm. The other day, true church history has not really been accomplished by these big big uh, flashy figures. Right. True church history has been accomplished by the small you know forgotten uh, men and women who took seriously uh, faithfulness to God uh, and who committed their you know, their small little lives to acknowledging him in the ways that they could and have achieved this, you know, this amazing testimony of, you know, families who have come up to acknowledge Christ as their savior, uh, church communities that have thrived, uh, just these small little ways. uh, It's often way out of the spotlight that really the gospel is advancing. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think that uh, just about wraps up uh, our talk for today. And um, yeah, thanks again to the listener um, for bringing in this question. If you guys have other questions you want us to bring up, there's an email um, in the show notes. And we'd love to uh, dive a bit deeper into some of the questions that you guys have. So yeah. yeah. But thanks, Chris, for the chili chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the conversation. Yeah, awesome. Well, take care, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>